You are listening to an Elftree Publishing Podcast. Our elves have been hard at work in search for meaningful and compelling content, so we hope you enjoy this show. And now, for our feature presentation. Enjoy. Featuring free-spirited conversation to help build a better future for generations to come. This is Elftree Publishing. applied to antithesis. The antithesis side calls the thesis side Covidians. So the Covidians are a brainwashed group of people that have been brainwashed by mainstream media like CNN, etc., that continues to perpetuate the false narrative that this pandemic is, first of all, never going to end, and that perpetuates a culture of safetyism that says you got to do anything it takes to keep everybody safe without regard to the harm that it's causing actually in the bigger picture and so you're just a brainwashed covidian you're just swallowing fauci's narrative etc and so this is what this is where we are run run planet earth about to be recycled your only chance to evacuate is to leave with us. Is to leave with us. From leaving behind the world of bioterrorism to off the grid and independent living. You're listening to Exit the Cult. Happy Friday, everyone. I'm your host, Joe Morales, and you're listening to Exit the Cult, a podcast dedicated to exposing the lies of the mainstream media to help others wake up to the truth. Let's exit the cult together. It's October 20... No, fuck. We're not in October anymore, you guys. We're in November. It's November 5th, 2021. Welcome to the show. Man. Yeah, I was still stuck in October. I'm very sad to be outside of October now, even though, you know... We're kind of moving towards cinnamon spice season, right? Cider season? Or is it already cider season? I don't even know anymore. Who cares? Seriously, thanks for being here. I am just feeling jolly. It's November. Things are, uh, you know, moving towards the holiday season. And I like the holiday season, mainly because I'm going to Mexico and I'm going to be with my family for my sister's wedding. We're going to have a good time down in Mexico. And uh, after that, I'm going to go visit and stay up in the north with uh, my family out in Wisconsin. So I should be seeing snow very soon, and I'm excited. Hopefully while I'm there, I will see it. Otherwise, I will riot, and I will join BLM and Antifa, and I will burn stuff down to the ground and not have to pay any repercussions for it. Let's uh, get into our cult for the day, Nexium. Spelled N-X-I-V-M. If you thought cults were a thing of the past, think again. Keith Ranieri started Nexium in 1998, positioning the group as a self-help organization with workshops and classes on empowerment. 
Nexium amassed more than 18,000 followers across North America until 2017, when Nexium members came forward, exposing the abusive practices of a secret society within the group. Women were recruited under the false pretense that they were joining a sisterhood of sorts, but it ended up being a sex cult. Ooh. Appear- yeah, it's, so, it's so weird being in LA. And I'm like, I know so many people that would join something like this, even if they knew what it was up front. Debauchery, you guys. This town is full of debauchery. A pyramid scheme existed within the group with Ranieri, who members called Vanguard, at the top. Why do they always have some weird name? It's like either daddy or father. Vanguard? That's, that's, that's cocky. That's a cocky one. Please call me Vanguard. Please. Please. Ladies. Ladies. It's Vanguard. Take me, Vanguard. Ah. Okay, anyway, sorry. Whose members called him Vanguard at the top, Masters, who recruited other women to the secretive group, and at the bottom were the newest recruits who were referred to as, you'll never guess it, quote, slaves, end quote. A former member recounted to the New York Times that in order to be admitted to the secret club, she had to give her master naked photos or other compromising documents that would be used as blackmail if she ever told anyone about the group's existence. It's like Fight Club. Well, I mean, they didn't, I guess in Fight Club, they weren't asking for any compromising titty pics. Well, unless, of course, you were playing the character of Meatloaf. Anyway, she was also told that another part of the initiation process was getting a small tattoo. But instead of a tattoo, the new members were told to undress and the master branded them with a design that included Ranieri's initials right above their pelvic area. Each woman was instructed to say, quote, Master, please brand me. It would be an honor. End quote. You cannot make this stuff up, you guys. Like, I would literally be eating popcorn if I was there and, like, walking out the door with my, like, slumber party curler still in. I'm in my robe and my slippers. Just thinking we're going to watch some movies and giggle all night. No, no. No, no. Drop your pants. It's time to prove your loyalty. To who? Vanguard, you dumb bitch. Who invited her? Allison? I'm sorry. She was just killed. As soon as they're like, and you have to say, master, please brand me. It would be an honor. That's what you have to say. I would be like, spidey senses would already already be going out the fucking, all my alarm bells would be going off. I would be halfway out the door, halfway trying to get some more of the, uh, the finger foods if they even had them there. I would have a plate in my hand for sure, and maybe a couple drinks to go. So yes, the quote was, Master, please brand me. It would be an honor. In 2020, Ranieri was tried in court where more than a dozen women came forward with statements regarding his psychological and sexual abuse. He was convicted of many crimes, including sex trafficking, racketeering, and child pornography. Did y'all ever know about uh, this model? What was her name? Oh, she was in the Blue Lagoon movie. Oh, man, I'm forgetting her name. Ah, Brooke Shields. The one with the eyebrows? Yes, the one with the eyebrows. Brooke Shields controversy. She basically posed for Playboy in, like, I think it was the early 80s, the 70s, late 70s. But she was, like, 14 years old. Insane. This happened. This was, like, normal life. People were like, oh, it's art. (laughs) It's art. And again, knowing what I know now about the world, I'm not surprised. But... It's just strange when you kind of look at it on paper. It's like, whoa, this happened. Okay. All right. Whatever you say. What do I know? Anyway, this is the world we live in, you guys. We have to accept it. Uh, But Joe, over time, there's change. Yeah. Yeah, there's change. 
Master, please brand me. It would be an honor. Come on, change. Everyone's reading Fifty Shades of Grey about BDSM. We know what world we live in. Let's not be naive here. Victims were as young as 15 years old. Ranieri was sentenced to life in prison, but in a court filing, his lawyers wrote, quote, he is not sorry for his conduct or his choices. Okay, end quote. <laughs> Jesus. So he believed in his cause, apparently. One of the most famous people that was in the group was an actor named Allison Mack. She was best known for her role as Chloe Sullivan on Smallville, the teen Superman show that aired from 2001 to 2011. I actually never watched that show. I heard it was good, though. She later had roles in Wilfred, the Elijah Wood comedy series where he could talk to his neighbor's dog, and the following. have no idea what the hell that is. Allison became involved with the group around 2006, along with her fellow Smallville actress, Kristen Crook. Kristen has since said that she did not know about the group's cult-like activities and said she participated only in a self-help course that helped her overcome her shyness. She left in 2012. I mean, my next question would be, Kristen, did they help you overcome your shyness? It's probably worse now. According to the New York Post, Allison's celebrity status was used to recruit other women into the group. She eventually became a member of Ranieri's inner circle and can be seen talking about how great the group is in 2013 YouTube videos. Should we listen to one? So this is a Q&A video that Allison put on her YouTube channel back in the day, about eight years ago. And she's talking about Jay Ness. And according to the New York Times, Ranieri started Jay Ness in 2006 and targeted towards the women of Nexium. The name Janus didn't mean anything specifically, so they say, with a member describing it as, quote, a made-up word that we are defining as we define who we are, end quote. Yeah, I think it means just never, ever say sex. For Janus, I think is the most gratifying thing that I've ever done. Um, it's the most challenging thing I've ever done because it consists of working with a group of people in a way that is totally interdependent, meaning... Um, we're all working together and no one is ever punished and no one is ever um, told that they're wrong or they're bad. And the most important thing in working on Jeunesse is the relationships in Jeunesse. And I'm not used to that. I'm used to the objective being met. I'm used to having like strict, hard, fast deadlines and lots of fear and punishment if I don't get it right. And Meanwhile, Vanguard's going, go on. Mm. Sorry. All right, let's continue. In working for Jeunesse, there isn't any of that. So it, it comes purely from a place of self-motivation and um, self-direction. And that is really difficult. But I would say that working for the Jeunesse is the most satisfying and purposeful thing I've ever done. Um, watching the women who are involved in Jeunesse completely transform, transform and evolve in a way that is so pure uh, is such a privilege. And really literally seeing people's lives path completely turn 180 degrees where in one moment they really felt like this was all that they had and this was all that they could do and then all of a sudden they're my little puppets they're my slaves oh. okay sorry they come through Jeunesse and they start working with us uh, and in our community and it's like a whole nother life is born out of um, their new experience of themselves and that's an incredibly satisfying and gratifying thing to do. Um, I think it's challenging because I think Jeunesse is an organization that um, looks to all participants to be 100% responsible for 
themselves and their lives. So it makes it hard to blame people for mistakes that are made when you're always looking at your own responsibility and participation in the situation. But um, that's just hard for my ego and my pride. Um, I think if the whole world operated in that way, we'd have a much more joyful and a much more deficient existence. The amount of time that we spend blaming one another is a little ridiculous. So working for Janice is grounding and satisfying and humbling and, and wonderful. Wonderful. So the biggest thing that sticks out to me is when she says, quote, working for JNS is, I think, the most gratifying thing that I've ever done. It's the most challenging thing I've ever done because it consists of working with a group of people in a way that is totally interdependent, meaning we're all working together and no one is ever punished and no one is ever told they're wrong and they're bad. However, one of the accusations against the cult is that they blackmailed participants in the inner circle allegedly called DOS by requiring them to send quote, collateral, like nudes, financial information, or confessions to crimes in exchange for their loyalty. Other women have spoken out about being branded, starved, and used as sex slaves. So it's really weird listening through that video, because she sounds like a nice person. I'm sure she actually is a nice person. Unless you get on Master's bad side. (laughs) Ugh. According to court documents, she aggressively recruited women to join Nexium and solicited material that could be used as collateral Obviously, we know this now. And female members of Nexium had sex with Ranieri out of fear that the collateral would be released. They would also face physical punishment if they did not comply with various rules. Allison attempted to recruit several high-profile celebrities to the group, including Emma Watson and Kelly Clarkson. Quote, Miss Mack was one of the top members of a highly organized scheme, which was designed to provide sex to Ranieri. Under the guise of female empowerment, she starved women until they fit her confidant's sexual feminine ideal. That was from U.S. attorney Moira Pinza. So Allison Mack has been arrested. She's in jail for three years. She pled guilty to one count of racketeering and one count of racketeering conspiracy. I'm the type of person that's like, do what you, you do you. Do what you want to do, you know, in the privacy of your own home. No big deal. No one cares. But... When you're trafficking people, children, now you're stepping into some real territory that's a little fucked up. So after Ranieri's arrest and conviction, he continued to direct loyalists from behind bars, encouraging continued recruitment. At his direction, members of the group have regularly danced outside Ranieri's jail and staged coordinated protests of individual prosecutors. In September 2020, just last year, It was estimated that about 50 to 60 people remained loyal to Ranieri. Ranieri was sentenced to 120 years in prison in October of 2020. So a year ago. 120 years. Good God. Can you imagine when they are able to extend people's lives to 200, 300 years? Well, you can now with Facebook changing its name to Meta. Now you can uh, go into one of Zuckerberg's virtual reality worlds transhumanist virtual prison hell and uh you can live to see Ranieri rise again master please brand me it would be an honor you are listening to exit the cult only on elf tree publishing enjoy enjoy Enjoy. Enjoy. Hey. Enjoy. Enjoy. Hey you. Enjoy. Enjoy. Hey. Hey you. 
Yeah, you. Enjoy. Yes, you. Enjoy. To the ones who came before us Are the golden ones who were lifted on a wing From Rolling Stone, Lord has a trash beach day literally, in Fallen Fruit Video. Lord has shared the music video for her latest solar power single, Fallen Fruit, expanding on the album's growing visual narrative about environmental awareness. In the video, Lord returns to the beach we first saw her exploring in the sunny music visual for Solar Power, which I have not watched, so... Uh, yeah. Only now, the beach is cluttered with discarded materials, watering cans, peach pits, overturned fishing boats... All placed there, by the way. Not natural. There was a crew that took props out of a truck and scattered them. Even though I'm not saying that the beaches aren't trashed. We all know they are. In a letter posted alongside the release, Lord shared the source of the chaos. Quote, Humans doing as they do, getting greedy, treating the land with disrespect and stripping it of its beauty. End quote. Fires blaze on the once undisturbed sand and the singer's character makes a decision to flee from the human-imposed wreckage. In her letter, she asks, quote, there will always be another pristine place to start again, right? End quote. The letter and video both arrive ahead of the singer's 25th birthday next week. Dang, I had no idea she was that young. Also included in her slate of gifts to fans for the occasion, Lord announced that the deluxe edition of Solar Power featuring the bonus tracks Hold No Grudge and Helen of Troy will arrive on streaming services on Friday. That's today! Helen of Troy originated in a casual setting with Jack Antonoff, while Hold No Grudge finds Lord opting to, quote, acting my age, not my horoscope, guess that's growing up, end quote. She said these songs were fun explorations on the album journey. They didn't quite fit in the track list for whatever reason, but they're both big tunes. Looking forward to it, Lord. Or should I call you Master? So to be straight up, the video is pretty cool. Um, It does feel like a very long, boring episode of Lost. And at the end, she kind of gets into this nice, I guess, a Jeep or Mercedes or some sort of black Jeepy SUV. And it looks like, what, her dad puts a jacket on her? Almost like he comes to pick her up like uh, Truman's girlfriend from the Truman Show. You know, Jim Carrey. Like when her dad shows up on the beach, they're down there. She's trying to tell him that he's living on a TV set. It's all fake. And out of nowhere, the dad comes tearing down the beach. Let, let's just watch. This is my favorite pizza place. <laughs> Tony, one large extra plankton. <laughs> We've so little time. They're going to be here any minute. Who are? They don't want me talking to you. The producers. Then don't talk. They're making out. They're making out. Sorry, guys can't see this part. Here he comes. Here. here he comes. Truman. What do they want? Listen to me. Everybody knows about it. Everybody knows everything you do. They're pretending to. It's like tearing down the sand. Do you understand? Everybody's pretending. Lord, I don't know. No, no, no. My name's not Warren. It's Sylvia. My name's Sylvia. Sylvia. Warren, sweetheart. Out again. Hey, wait a minute. Who are you? I'm her father. He's an actor. What? I've never even Come seen on, you sweetie. before. Come on, doing anything. Please, honey. He's lying. Honey, please. Truman, please. No, don't listen no. to him. Everything I've on? told you is the truth. Please. This is, 
this. Sand. It, it's fake. It's all for you. I don't understand. And this guy and the sea, everything. It's a set. I don't it's a please. show. Everybody's You'll be watching all right. you. Please, don't please, listen to him. Laura. He's going to lie to you. Watch what's him going on? Right now. I really would like to know what's going on. She has episodes. What? We tried everything. She could have just gotten out of the car. You're not the first. You're not the first. Truman! She brings all her boyfriends oh. down here. She's a whore. What's he saying? Truman, he's lying. She hands him her panties. Get out of here. Come on, find Don't me. worry. We're going I'll to see Fiji. You in Fiji. We're moving to there Fiji. No Fiji. And uh off they go. Bye-bye, Sylvia. And this sets him on his journey of waking up. From there on, Truman sees a new world. Speaking of waking up to the deceptions of our world, here is rapper Crazy Bone exposing secret meeting in the music industry back in the day. Check this out. The secret meeting that changed rap music and destroyed a generation. Damn. So says, hello. After more than 20 years, I finally decided to tell the world what I witnessed in 1991, which I believe was one of the biggest turning points in popular music, and ultimately, American society. I have struggled for a long time weighing the pros and cons of making my story public, as I was reluctant to implicate the the individuals who were present that day. Mm. So I simply decided to leave out the names and all the details that may risk my personal well-being and that of those who were like me, dragged into something they weren't ready for. <clears throat> Damn. Hold on, let me, uh... So we gonna tell a story. We gonna tell a story. We ain't scared. You know what I'm saying? What they gonna do? They after us, not the Look, black man. <laughs> so look, so he says, between late, between the late 80s and early 90s, I was what you may call a decision maker with one of the more established companies in the music industry. I came to Europe in the early 80s and quickly established myself in the business. The industry was different back then, since technology and media weren't accessible to people like that, like they are today. The industry had more control over the public and had the means to influence them any way it wanted. This may explain why in early 1991, I was invited to attend a closed-door meeting with a small group of business was business insiders to discuss rap music's new direction. Hmm. Rap music's new direction. Little did I know we would be asked to participate in one of the most unethical and destructive business practices ever seen. Crazy. So so this was the meeting. The meeting was held at a private residence on the outskirts of Los Angeles. I remember about 25 to 30 people were, were, were being there. Right. Most of them familiar faces. Speaking of those I knew, we joked about the theme of the meeting, as many of us did not care for rap and failed to see the purpose of being invited to a private meeting to the get, to to discuss the future of hip hop. Talk to them. Among the attendees was a small group of unfamiliar faces who stayed to themselves and made no attempt to socialize beyond their circle. Based on their behavior and formal appearances, they didn't seem to be from our industry. Our casual, our casual chatter was interrupted when we were asked to sign the confidentiality agreement preventing us from publicly discussing the information presented during the meeting. Hmm. Needless to say, 
This intrigued, in some cases, disturbed many of us. The agreement was only a page long, but very clear on matters and consequences which stated that violating the terms would result in job termination immediately. We asked several people what this meeting was about and the reason for such secrecy, but could not find anyone who had the answers for us. A few people re refused to sign and walked out. Nobody stopped them. I was tempted to follow, but, but curiosity got the best of me. That's right. A man who was part of the unfamiliar group collected all the agreements from us. So now it's going to get to the good part because the meeting about to start. Talk to him, Jake. <clears throat> it says, quickly after this meeting began, one of the industry colleagues who shall remain nameless like everybody else thanked us for attending. He then gave the floor to a man who only introduced himself by first name and gave no other details about his personal background. Mm. I think he was the owner of the residence, but that was never confirmed. He briefly praised all of us for the success we had achieved in our industries and congratulated us for being selected as a part as part of this small group of decision makers. At this point, I began to feel slightly uncomfortable in the strangeness of this gathering. The subject quickly changed as the speaker went on to tell us that the respective companies we represented had invested in a very profitable industry, which could become even more rewarding with our active involvement. He explained that the companies we worked for had invested millions into millions into the building of privately owned prisons and that our positions of influence in the music industry would actually impact the profitability of these investments. Hmm. Then he says, I remember many of us in the group immediately looking at each other in awe and confusion. At the same time, I didn't know what a private prison was but I wasn't the only one. Sure enough, someone asked this, someone asked what these prisons were and what any of this had to do with music. <clears throat> we were told that these prisons were built by privately owned companies who received funding from the government based on the number of inmates. Mm -hmm. The more inmates, the more the government would pay these prisons. Mm -hmm. It was also made clear to us that since these prisons are privately owned as they become publicly traded, we'd be able to buy shares. Most of us were taken back by this. Again, a couple of people asked what this had to do with us. At this point, my industry colleague who had first opened the meeting took the floor again and answered our questions. He told us that since our employees had become solid investors in this prison business, it was now in their interest to make sure that these prisons remain filled. Our job would be to help make this happen by making music which promote criminal behavior, mm. rap being the music of choice. Mm. He assured us that this would be a great situation for us because rap music was becoming an increasingly profitable market for our companies. And as employees, we also be able to buy stocks in these prisons. Immediately, silence came over the room. You could have heard a pin drop. Hmm. I remember looking around to make sure I wasn't dreaming and saw half of the people with dropped jaws. My days was interrupted when someone shouted, is this a fucking joke? At this point, things became chaotic. Right. Two of the men who were part of the unfamiliar group grabbed the man who shouted and, and attempted to remove him from the house. A few of us, myself included, tried to intervene. One of them pulled out a gun 
pulled out a gun, and we all backed off. They separated us from the crowd, and all four of us was escorted outside. My industry colleague, who opened up the meeting earlier, hurried out to meet us and reminded us that we had signed an agreement and would suffer the consequences of speaking out about this publicly or even those who attended the meeting. Damn. I asked him, why was he involved with something so corrupt? And he replied, it's bigger than the music business and nothing we can do. And, oh, no, no, no. It's bigger than the music business and nothing we want to challenge without risking consequences. We all protested as they, as they walked, as we walked back into the house. I remember word for word the last thing he said. It's out of my hands now. Just remember you signed an agreement. He then closed the door behind him. The men rushed us to our car and actually waited until we drove off the property. Damn. So, so uh, this meeting, bro. Now, that's a lot for a meeting right there. Oh, yeah, definitely. You know, and this person later on, he said, you know, this person actually ended up leaving the music industry after this happened. Well, a, a few years after this, he ended up leaving the music industry. Okay. And um, he'd say he just like, you know, over the years, he just he just felt guilty because he said as he sat back and he watched these plans come into play come to a reality over two decades he sat back and was like wow they really pulled it off yeah they really pulled this off he was like they were told not to sign any more political rappers any any more rappers that had messes in their no music. positivity it was all to be gangster rap music that they promoted and 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 put out. So if you wonder where and brand newbies went, if you wonder where brand newbies went, where poor righteous teachers went, where public enemy went, where KRS One went, and all sorts of groups like that that was talking, yeah. for, even Queen Latifah and Moni Love and those, you know, everybody. What I'm saying? It, it, yeah. it, it's a back door. Yeah, anything that was harmless, fun rap, you know, anything that had a message in it had to go. Yeah, that's you why you, if you even notice though, now yeah, you, we talk about that all the time. Even be brief with it, you know what I'm saying? Uh, those charms that came out like maybe 1988, 89, the African mm -hmm. charms, those, those they lasted for about two years and they disappeared real quick, you know what I'm yeah, saying? Yeah, definitely, Quickly. definitely. Now, after reading all this, you know, it actually made me feel a few different ways. The first emotion I felt was shocked because I was definitely taken back by this, just knowing the level of evil that's involved by even even thinking of a plan like this you know right. what I'm saying? the second emotion i felt was anger anger because it's not enough for them to exploit our culture and make all the money off of it mm -hmm. because let's keep it real the industry has never been favorable towards the artist never. never but they're going to go beyond the artist to get the artist to influence and lure in the consumer which they knew at the time were mainly minorities. Yep. In other words, keep promoting gangster rap so that the youngsters will be influenced by them, which in turn will incite them to want to act like them. And it's very and it's a very good chance they'll end up in their prison. Yeah. So they're getting paid twice. They're getting paid from the artists they signing, and then they're getting paid from the from the the people that these artists influence that goes to prison trying to be like these artists. Yeah. So they 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 making a killing a killing they're using the music business to promote their private prison business uh, my man is right right there talking that right 1988 a man named tom beasley man that's the co-founder of the uh the the um 
the the the, the corrections the corrections for California the corrections for Corporation of America. That's the CCA. You know what I'm saying? Excuse my French. I'm reading this thing right there real quick. It's the CCA. So in 1988, he founded that, and this this is in uh, straight straight uh, concert with the same thing. So it's like the music business. You do what you do on your side. And right. over here with the correction facilities, we're going to do on this side because and now in 1970, there was 500 prisons. You know what I'm saying? Only 500 prisons in the United States. D to this day, there's 1,700 prisons right now. Mm. That means big business. I'm talking about that. Then flippled over. You know what I'm saying? If, if flippled over is a word yeah. because they're making a lot of money off of these things per inmate. You know what I'm saying? So getting with this, with the same thing of the of the music, it all it all went hand in hand, and we just end up we just partying at the same time. So us as the artists is the tool they use. Yeah. The music is the bait, yep. and the young consumers are the prey. It's a cold game. Cold game, bro. Cold you know what game. I'm then I feel sad. Sad because everything we seem to try to create. We always seem to give it away. We're always being yeah. tricked and deceived into believing that they have our best interests at hand when clearly they never have and they never will. do we go from here? For over one year, we have talked to you, we have reasoned with you, we have asked you the critical questions, we brought you experts who have challenged the narrative, we have spent hours talking to your foreheads as you've looked down and your empty seats. Where do we go from here? The starting point is the reality that we are your creators. And the creation is never above his creator. We give you your power. We sustain you, and because we are citizen kings and citizen queens in a constitutional republic, we know that we hold the contract power of the consent of the governed. The way home, it's not through our politicians. They aren't coming to save us. It's through burger joints refusing to play police, gym owners unafraid to stand against petty tyrants, pilots raising a storm to cripple an industry, firefighters holding the line without flinching, law enforcement officers defending the Constitution and the protection of the people, parents holding their babies in their arms while fighting drunken school boards, NFL players speaking logic against the narrative, a UFC podcast host asking more critical questions than all of our media combined, pastors preaching and behaving as the righteous resistance, nurses, doctors, and military choosing freedom over coercion. It's ultimately, and this is interesting, it's exactly how our republic was designed to be sustained and kept in balance. We are the creators of our government. We hold the power of our preservation. The way home is of, for, and by the people. Welcome back to Exit the Cult. Hope you're enjoying the show so far. So here's some twisted news. Pfizer was given the go-ahead this week from the CDC to give the experimental COVID vaccine, jab, to children, 5 to 11. Children have a greater chance of drowning, dying in a car wreck, or dying from the flu than from the coronavirus. Yet, they want to stick your kid. Children are also not forced to take the flu vaccine. And more children in Chicago have been shot this year than died from the coronavirus across the country. 
take that in. It's become purely psychotic. Here's an ad from Pfizer. Like I said, they're coming for your kids. Getting ready to fight COVID. All of us want to be superheroes. And the most important heroes are those that help others. This year, thousands of kids like us around the world joined the COVID-19 vaccine trial. Kid power. And when they did, they became all superheroes. Ah! To all the kids who volunteered, we'd like to say... Thank you for sharing your superpowers of... Courage. Trying new things. The ability to save people. The power to help people. Helping not just um, yourself, but many other kids. To not be scared. Be strong. Super brave. Bravery and courage. A superhero shot. Helping everybody. Fight coronavirus and help others. You're helping the whole entire world. Thank you. You are all superheroes. Thank you. Thank you, superheroes. Thank you. You're awesome. I mean, if this doesn't disturb you as a human being on this planet, I mean, this is absolute cult-like mentality. This is absolute cult-like behavior. They're using these children who wouldn't know anything about coronavirus. So they're, they're giving them this platform as if, as if they can speak from authority. These children were programmed. They were programmed to fear coronavirus. They're being masked at school. They're being forced to social distance. There's like this mask hysteria where they fear if they don't have their mask on, these kids are, they, they just lose their minds. And no, it's not every kid doing that. But I know I have family that is dealing with their kids who are fearing if they forget their mask, they don't want to get in trouble. There's some crazy authoritarian brainwashing going on. It is in your house now. And now Pfizer's putting this commercial out that they're going to play on Nickelodeon and all the kids' channels, whatever. They're going to be playing these commercials and programming your kids to see this as a normal thing. Never forget this. This is not normal. Joe, it's not normal times. It isn't. This is why we must come together and all get the vaccine. It's it's out of control. I don't want to join your cult. I don't want my nieces and nephews to join your cult. I can't believe this isn't an SNL sketch. This is real. Also from the Gateway Pundit, Senator Rand Paul calls on Dr. Fauci to resign. It is now clear the Fauci variant is the most dangerous health risk in America today. Senator Rand Paul called on deadly liar Dr. Tony Fauci to resign during the Senate hearing on the ongoing pandemic on Thursday. Rand Paul, who has been 100% correct with his assessment of Fauci for the past year, told the NIH director, quote, you appear to have learned nothing from this pandemic. What you're doing is defining a way gain of function. You're simply saying it doesn't exist because you changed the definition on the NIH website. This is terrible, and you're completely trying to escape the idea that we should do something to try and prevent a pandemic from leaking from a lab. The preponderance of evidence now points to this coming from a lab, and what you've done is change the definition on your website to try and cover your ass, basically. End quote. Dr. Fauci, I don't expect you today to admit that you approved of NIH funding for gain-of-function research in Wuhan. But your repeated denials have worn thin, and a majority of Americans, frankly, don't believe you. 
Even the NIH now admits that EcoHealth Alliance did perform experiments in Wuhan that created viruses not found in nature that actually did gain in lethality. The facts are clear. The NIH did fund gain-of-function research in Wuhan, despite your protestations. You can deny it all you want, but even the Chinese authors of the paper, in their paper, admit that viruses not found in nature were created, and yes, they gained in infectivity. Your persistent denials, though, are not simply a stain on your reputation, but are a clear and present danger to the country and to the world. As Professor Kevin Esfelt of MIT has written, gain-of-function research looks like a gamble that civilization can't afford to risk. And yet here we are again with you steadfast in your denials. Why does it matter? Because gain-of-function research with laboratory-created viruses not found in nature could cause a pandemic even worse the next time. We're suffering today from one that has a mortality of approximately 1%. They're experimenting with viruses that have mortalities of between 15 and 50%. Yes, our civilization could be at risk from one of these viruses. Experiments that combine unknown viruses with known pandemic-causing viruses are incredibly risky. Experiments that combine unknown viruses with coronaviruses that have as much as 50% mortality could endanger civilization as we know it. And here you sit, unwilling to accept any responsibility for the current pandemic and unwilling to take any steps to prevent gain-of-function research from possibly unleashing an even more deadly virus. You mislead the public by saying that the published viruses could not be COVID. Well, exactly no one is alleging that. No one is alleging that the published viruses by the Chinese are COVID. What we are saying is that this was risky type of research, gain-of-function research. It was risky to share this with the, Ch with the Chinese and that COVID may have been created from a not-yet-revealed virus. We don't anticipate the Chinese are going to reveal the virus if it came from their lab. You know that, but you continue to mislead. You continue to support NIH money going to Wuhan. You continue to say you trust the Chinese scientist. You appear to have learned nothing from this pandemic. Will you today finally take some responsibility for funding gain-of-function research in Wuhan? Senator, with all due respect, I disagree with so many of the things that you've said. Gain, first of all, gain-of-function is a very nebulous term. We have spent not us, but outside bodies, a considerable amount of effort to give a more precise definition to the type of research that is of concern that might lead to a dangerous situation. You are aware of that. That is called P3CO. We're aware that you deleted gain of function okay. from the NIH well, website. Well, I can get back to that in a moment if we have time but let's get back to the operating framework and guide rails of which we operate under. And you have ignored them. The guidelines are very, very clear that you have to be dealing with a pathogen that clearly is shown and very likely to be highly transmissible in an uncontrollable way in humans and to have a high degree of morbidity and mortality and that you do experiments to enhance that. Hence the word EPPP, -P -P, enhanced 
pathogens of potemic, potential So when EcoHealth Alliance took the virus, no, well, SA C014 and combined it with WIV1 and caused a recombinant virus that doesn't exist in nature, and it made mice sicker, mice that had humanized cells, you're saying that that's not gain-of-function research? According to the framework and guidelines... So what you're doing P3, is defining away gain-of-function. No. You're simply saying it doesn't exist because you changed the definition on the NIH website. This is terrible, and you're, you're completely trying to escape right. the idea that we should do something about trying to prevent a pandemic from leaking from a lab. There's, the preponderance of evidence now points towards this coming from the lab, and what you've done is changed the definition right. on your website to try to cover your ass, basically. That's what you've done. You've changed the website right. to try to have a new definition that doesn't include the risky research that's going on. Until you admit that it's risky, we're not going to get anywhere. You have to admit that this research was risky. The NIH has now rebuked them. Your own agency has rebuked them. But That's, the thing is, is you're still unwilling to admit that they gained in function when they say they became sicker. They gained in right. lethality. It's a right. new virus. That's not gain of function? According to the definition that is currently <laughs> operable, you know, Senator, let's one. make it clear for the people who are listening. The current definition was done over a two to three year period by outside bodies, including the NSABB, Two conferences by the National Academy of Science, Engineering, and Medicine on December 2014, March 2016. We commissioned external risk-benefit assessment, and then on January of 2017, the Office of Science and Technology Policy of the White House issued the current policy. And coincidentally, I, I have coincidentally the definition any appeared definition. on the same day the NIH said that yes, there was a gain of function in Wuhan, the same day the definition appeared, the new definition, to try to define away what's going on in Wuhan. Until you accept it, until you expect, accept responsibility, we're not going to get anywhere right. close to trying to prevent another lab leak of this dangerous sort of experiment. You won't admit well, that it's dangerous, and for that lack of judgment, I think it's time that you resign. Th thank you, Senator Paul. And I would like um, to give the time to Dr. Fauci. Yeah, well, there were so many things that are egregious misrepresentation here, uh, Madam Chair, that I, I don't think I'd be able to refute all of them, but just a couple of them for the listens to hear for. You have said that I am unwilling to take any responsibility for the current pandemic. I have no responsibility for the current pandemic. The current pandemic, okay? Number two, you said the overwhelming amount of evidence indicates that's a lab leak. I believe most card-carrying viral phylogenists and molecular virologists would disagree with you that it's much more likely, even though we leave open all possibilities, it's much more likely that this was a natural occurrence. Third, you say we We've can tested 80,000 animals and no animals Senator have been Paul, found with COVID. Senator Paul, the time is set for And third, response. you made a statement just a moment ago that's completely incorrect, where you say we continue to support research at the Wuhan Institute of Virology. You proved it in August of last year. No, no, your statement says, quote, I wrote it down as you were writing. You continue to support research 
at the Wuhan Institute of Virology. You were in committee a month ago and said you still trust the Chinese scientists and you still support the research over there. You said it a month ago Senator in committee. Senator Paul, I have allowed Dr. Fauci to respond. You've had your time. I'm going to give him if He's going to be dishonest. Minute. He ought to be challenged. Senator Paul, we will allow Dr. Fauci to respond after you've given accusations like that. Dr. Fauci. Well, I don't have any more to say except to say that, as usual, and I've, I have a great deal of respect for this body of the Senate, and it makes me very uncomfortable to have to say something, but he is egregiously incorrect in what he says. Thank you. Thank History you. will figure that out on its own. I mean, that is the truth. History has figured that out on its own. And the other thing that was crazy that Senator Paul said was they've tested over 80,000 animals and they haven't found any coronavirus in any of them. Hmm. Natural my ass. So it was a big election week from Politico. Republican Glenn Youngkin won the Virginia governor's race, a sign of the GOP's comeback after losing the presidency and the Senate in the last election. So good for the Virginians. Hopefully these guys turn out to do things in the favor of their constituents and aren't bought and paid for like so many others in our Congress. Big news in the Russia collusion investigation that John Durham is heading Arrest of Steel Dossier Source A, Seismic Development. The Office of Special Counsel John Durham has confirmed that Igor Denchenko, a key source for British ex-spy Christopher Steele, has been arrested. This is the third arrest by Durham, who is moving towards the prosecution stage of this investigation into the origins of the Russia collusion scandal. Durham is variously described as either painfully methodical or positively glacial as a prosecutor but he is widely credited with being a dogged and absolutely apolitical prosecutor. Denchenko's arrest is a seismic development and confirmed Durham is far from done with this investigation. Washington was recently rocked by the indictment of Michael Sussman, former counsel for Hillary Clinton's 2016 presidential campaign and the Democratic National Committee for his alleged role in the spreading of false Russia conspiracy theory. Now Denchenko is being charged with lying to the Federal Bureau of Investigation, the corrupt FBI. Well, there you go. They are chipping away at this thing, you guys. And still, people exist thinking the Russia collusion thing was real. Like, there's people who literally still refer back to that. Trump is Russian. It's all Russia. Russia collusion. People still believe that. It was all a lie. And people still live believing it was real. As if, like, you go see uh, Harry Potter and you learn about what a muggle is, what a witch is, what a sorcerer is. And now you go back into your real life after you leave the theater. And now you believe there's real muggles and there's real sorcerers and witches. It's fairy tale. It was all fairy tale. Even though, you know, I do think there are witches and sorcerers and it's a whole other thing in this reality. I don't think it's like the Harry Potter movies, at least not to that extent where they can expelliarmus and shoot a little zap from their little wand. I don't think that's a real reality that we live in, but I do think there's weapons. I mean, you know, I'm sure there's some sort of rod somebody could pull out of their pocket and it would zap some electricity at somebody. But now I'm off topic. See what happens when we go into Harry Potter land? I can't help it. I love Harry Potter. It's so crazy that uh, Allison Mack tried to get Hermione Granger to become a Nexium member. Master, please brand me. It would be an honor. And it's Leviosa, not Leviosa. So here's a woman freaking out on a plane because the person sitting next to her did not have a vaccine passport, didn't get the jab, which, why was she asking him for his vaccine passport? 
Some are saying this video is staged. I'm not really sure. But either way, what's coming out of this woman's mouth is absurd. I, I don't, I don't want to sit there. Do you want me to call the cops? Because I will. I'll call them right now. He's violating our rights and our safety. I asked him for his vaccine card, and he doesn't have one because he's not vaccinated. Hey, Lee, you can't go there. Please, you have to have a mask and be vaccinated. Good lady, good. Take a seat, or you're not getting any peanuts. You're you're violating the law right now. You're completely breaking the law. You have to find me another seat. It's not the law to be vaccinated to come on this flight. You can't make me breathe his oxygen because he's not vaccinated. You're not listening to me. He's an unclean. He's an unclean. I'm sitting there. You're putting my life in danger right now. I cannot be made to breathe his oxygen. That's not fair. That's not fair. This lady doesn't even have a mask on, and she's in a fucking airplane where you're all breathing each other's oxygen. She's an idiot. Like, seriously, this woman is an idiot. Living in fear, completely caught up in the Covidian cult. And we're going to speak about the Covidian cult coming right up after this break. This is only going in one direction. You will respect us. You can be upset. You can be angry. You can think it's unfair. You can feel like we're stealing something from you. But it's still only going in one direction. You will respect us. And that's the exact mode that the left has taken, is that it's not that you can think for yourself, you can argue with us, we can argue with you, we can try to have disagreements. It's we have decided that the new world order, the new reality we live in, is defined by our ideology, regardless of whether it's based in truth. And you will not only acknowledge, you will not only accept that we exist, but you will have positive, reaffirming support for us. You will respect our false delusional reality of the world. Welcome back to Exit the Cult. And seeing that it is November, it is the month of Thanksgiving, gratitude, being grateful for the things you have, being thankful that you are alive, hopefully in good health. But I was just thinking a lot of people are going to be getting around that Thanksgiving table coming on up and there's going to be a lot of division. There's a lot of division in friendships, families with COVID, everything that's going on. And I came across this really interesting video from a guy named Dr. Z-Dog is what he goes by on Instagram. I will put a link in the show notes. But this video was interesting because he's talking about Covidians, which is, we've talked about this in other shows. It's people who are cult-like, obsessed, that we are supposed to just go along with whatever the authorities tell us and to not question anything. And then there's people who are considered Covidians who are like, the pandemic's not real at all. There's no such thing. I don't need to take a vaccine. I'm pro-freedom which is kind of where I lean on this whole matter, personally, just so you know. I'm, I, I've always been very aware of authoritarian power, be it when I was in elementary school, middle school, high school, seeing the way teachers would treat me. And a lot of them, it was very different. Certain teachers would treat me with such disrespect, I had zero respect back for them. Thus began a friction 
between the two parties. And so we're in a world right now where people are going to be getting around the table, having discussions about the pandemic. A lot of people haven't seen their families in a long time still. We're two years almost into this thing. And this video, I thought, was just a great piece that I think everyone should hear. And this guy, Dr. Z-Dog, basically breaks down the Covidians versus the Covidiots and kind of just looks at both sides. And his whole point is how we need to come together in the middle because we're creating this absurdity that is essentially or potentially going to destroy our species as a human race if we don't come together, debate these things, and find common ground. And the only way to do that is to debate and to discuss it with an open mind. So this piece of audio is about 20 minutes long. It's going to be kind of the bulk of our, the back half of our show, but I, I promise you it's totally worth listening to because he has a lot of good points to make. At the end of the day, I'm the type of person that just is always about who are the authoritarians, who runs, who's running shit, what are they doing? And so I lean towards a antithesis person where I am counter narrative. The mainstream narrative is not my friend in my world. That's just where I'm at. But I'm also willing to have these discussions with people who believe in the narrative. And um, I think it's important that we all just kind of find common ground before the uh, powers that be kill us all. <laughs> so without further ado, here's Dr. Z-Dog. What's up, guys? I want to talk about division <laughs> today. The things that are tearing us apart as society during COVID, this division into COVIDiots who just deny that this is a thing and are doing everything opposite to what the authorities are saying and COVIDians who are brainwashed into thinking we have an eternal pandemic and we should hide in a bubble for the rest of our lives. I mean, and these, basically I'm parodying this, I'm making it extreme, but this is actually how the two sides on the extreme see each other. So what I wanna talk about is this idea that Peter Lindbergh of the STOA, and I'm gonna link to his piece, talks about, which is this idea that COVID has been split into a thesis side, which is the kind of mainstream, you know, government industry argument and an antithesis side, antithesis if you're nasty, which is saying, no, I don't think that thesis is right. And actually I think this is right. And which side you sort of lean towards is really very, very much influenced by what your particular moral palette is, the kind of things that you value. Some of that is political, ideological, some of it may even be religious, but it really gets down to what Jonathan Haidt in his book, The Righteous Mind, described as, as our moral matrix, the sort of six flavors of morality that all of us are born with, but we value in different degrees. So I wanna talk about all this because the goal of this is to help us understand why, okay, first of all, why are we so divided? Second of all, to be able to introspect and go, hey, what's going on in my own mind system about this? Why am I, why do I get so angry when I read something like this or that? Or why am I so um, apt to share this kind of information? And so it can actually turn a lens back onto our own biases, right? Which we all have. I definitely have them. And I'll probably talk about some of my biases as we talk about this. And then it helps us to actually push as a society to understand other people's ideas based on their own moral matrix, their own moral palette, taste buds, and understand COVID to bring us from, instead of just a thesis and an antithesis to a synthesis, as Peter calls it, 
where we actually have some nuanced, I call it alt-middle understanding of everything that is true but partial about both arguments. And then we can make more educated decisions for ourselves, policy decisions. We can vote people in and out of office that are doing the synthesis instead of dividing into synth- into thesis and antithesis. All right, so first of all, let's let's talk about this. What is the COVID thesis position? All right, this is the extreme thesis position that COVID is a deadly, dangerous disease. We're in the middle of a pandemic that can kill tons and tons and tons of people and has. The way to fight this pandemic is the science. And the science says masks for pretty much everybody, school closures, lockdowns, um, mandates of these things. So in other words, government has to do this. Vaccines for pretty much everybody as a preventative um, and vaccine mandates as a policy. And on top of that, vaccine passports as a policy. So this is the kind of distillation of the thesis position. It's the extreme position here on this side, which is saying we have to do all these things. We have to do them and they have to be done this way through mandate, et cetera. And the flavor of the thesis position is one of fear. So fear of COVID, fear of not doing all these things and having people die, fear for yourself, fear for your loved ones, and fear of the antithesis position causing harm to them. Okay, so that's the thesis position. So let's look at the antithesis position, and I'm simplifying this. The antithesis position says, hey, wait a minute, Um, COVID is a disease that is bad for elderly people, people with comorbidities, like obesity, diabetes, heart disease, lung disease, immune compromise. But for the average Joe, it's a 99.7 plus survivable thing. So let's put it in perspective. The second thing the antithesis um, side says is masks don't work. Show me the science that says masks work. Um, The science is degrading of science in general because- There is no the science. Science is a process. And it turns out that lockdowns are not scientifically backed. Closing schools is not scientifically backed. Masks for say children are not scientifically backed. And in fact, the antithesis position says masks at all are not scientifically backed for the public. Um, They feel that lockdowns, school closures, mask mandates actually cause more harm to the population than good. And that the vaccine thing has been oversold in terms of safety and efficacy. And that vaccine mandates are unethical, uh, inflict on, uh, on freedoms and cause harm net. So this is the antithesis position. And that the antithesis position says, why are we ignoring therapeutic drugs that don't make pharma a lot of money like say ivermectin or earlier hydroxychloroquine? The fear basis on the antithesis side, because remember fear is driving all of this. On the antithesis side is fear of loss of liberty, fear of increasing authoritarian control, 
fear of loss of autonomy and decision-making and erosion of civil liberties and fear of economic damage from the response to the COVID pandemic. So that's more or less, and there's more in this, the, the thesis and the antithesis position. Now, what's interesting is thesis and antithesis positions have also further divided based on political lines. So on a political basis, the thesis position has aligned with left-leaning people. Now, why is this? Because, and we're gonna talk about moral matrix of the left and the right, but typically the left is very suspicious of industry like big pharma. And they actually do not like the loss of autonomy that comes with industry telling you what to do. Like you gotta get a booster. Now you gotta get another booster. You gotta get this and that. So what happened here? Well, what happened here is Donald Trump actually aligned early in the pandemic with the antithesis position early on, which meant if you were a good liberal or left-leaning person, you pretty much automatically align with the thesis position. And I think that's what happened. Now, again, you can come at me if you think that's not right. This is a discussion, right? But I think that's what it is because people, especially in vaccines, like anti-vaccine sentiment has often been a function of rather leftist kind of positions. Like, hey, government can't tell me mandates how to what to put in my body and the sanctity of my body and so on. So that it that that this aligned with the left was one of the early political polarizations. And right-leaning people tended to align with the antithesis position. Not always, but that's what seemed to happen. Now, as this entrenched, you had a further polarization that was potentiated by social media, which rewards polarization. And probably by, if we're being honest, by some state actors who weaponize social media to to sow discord, like say Russia or even China, actually create, I mean, there are bots, right? That create division, that take each side, synthesis and antithesis. And so this began to further polarize, further um, uh, instill this sort of separation between thesis and antithesis. No one looking for a synthesis of the positions, right? Very few, alt-middle people. So- what ends up happening then is you have this terminology that arises. The thesis folks start referring to hardcore antithesis people. Oh, by the way, the antithesis uh, politics here or parapolitical sort of flavor is one of conspiracy theory. So, you know, this is some kind of conspiracy. Now, and as Peter talks about it in his piece in the Stoa, there's two flavors of that thinking. One is that this is just the standard emergent conspiracy that happens when you have bungling incompetent governments and industry with its incentives doing what they do. And this emerges a kind of a culture of, hey, we got to vaccinate everyone because it's going to make us money. And government always wants to grow and always wants to have more power. So during a pandemic is a perfect time for it to overreach and do that. And this is this kind of soft conspiracy idea that this just emerged from the idiocy that is our system. But then there's the hard conspiracy people who feel that there's a power elite, like the Bill Gates people, these kind of people that that, that are actually pulling the strings here to institute a more authoritarian control of the population. If he could do it. This isn't a movie. He, he believed in himself and you can too. 
Oh man, you gonna put it on me like that? You can do anything that that you want. You can get you can get singing lessons, get a better job, make more money. You could be even like rich. You could live in the White House someday. You could be president. Me? Do what you want to do. Yeah. It's not about up, up. It's not up to other people. It's true. It's up to you. It's up to you. Welcome back to Eggs of the Cult. I love that audio clip. It's this little kid, I guess, cheering up his babysitter or his mom. But he obviously picked up on whoever he's talking to that's holding the camera filming him. He can tell they're feeling blue and he's just uh, speaking some truth. I love it. I love it. That's why human beings are so incredible. That's why I feel like it's so important for us to protect our species and not let tyrants try to destroy us. You know what I'm saying? It's, it's a very simple request. <laughs> Save the children. So let's get back into this Dr. Z-Dog piece of audio. So far, we're talking about the moral palette, and he's saying that there's six flavors to our moral compass, I guess. It's our moral values. And he's kind of broken things down between the, the far extremes of thesis and antithesis, antithesis. And so it's uh, essentially the two sides that are at odds with each other, the Covidians and the Covidiots. And how do we gravitate ourselves back to the middle so that we can communicate and be friends again and hold hands like sound of music in a field. The sun will come out tomorrow. But you know what I'm saying? Like we are quickly starting to fall away from each other in this weird socially engineered program. Anyway, I digress. Here's Dr. Z-Dog. The thesis guys call the antithesis people COVIDiots. The anti-mask, anti-vax, anti-lockdown, open everything up, don't close the schools. COVID is a hoax. You're a COVIDiot. That's the, the, the pejorative term applied to antithesis. The antithesis side calls the thesis side COVIDians. So the COVIDians are a brainwashed group of people that have been brainwashed by mainstream media like CNN, et cetera, that continues to perpetuate the false narrative that this pandemic is, first of all, never gonna end, and that perpetuates a culture of safetyism that says you gotta do anything it takes to keep everybody safe without regard to the harm that it's causing actually in the bigger picture. And so you're just a brainwashed COVIDian, you're just swallowing Fauci's narrative, et cetera. And so this is what this is where we are. And so families have been divided along these lines. Uh, it's crazy. And I get these emails and you know, people will tell me, I don't know how to talk to my spouse anymore because they're a COVIDiot. And you're just like, what the health? So, all right. Sorry, I had to interrupt real quick. When he said that, what the health? I almost shut this thing off. But, but he has good points. He's making great points. I definitely don't agree with everything he's saying, but he is kind of nailing pretty much everything that's going on when it comes to COVIDians versus COVIDiots. But I just wanted to throw this disclaimer out there that I don't necessarily agree with everything he's saying. I just think it's a very 
I think that he had a very meaningful conversation about something that's very important for all of us. No matter what side of the fence you're on, this is something that we all have to come to a conclusion with within ourselves so that we can have conversations. And I think if you just shut one side off, it is really not going to solve any of our problems. So that's kind of the problem we're in right now is people are like, well, no, this is, this is my side. And, um, and, and I'm not going to lie. I'm, I'm, I deal with that because I did too much research on things that blew my mind. I learned about human trafficking and organ harvesting and things that are just too disturbing to, to talk about, even though I talk about them on these shows because it's just what the show is. But um, you didn't know I had a laugh track, did you? Well, now you do. Anyway, I'm just rambling. I just think that it's important for us to never say, what the health? It's fucking stupid. All right, let's carry on. Why, first of all, why would we, um, why would we even tend to one group or another? And by the way, I know there's a lot of you out there that are right. Like, no, I see aspects of both. We're going to talk about that because that's the synthesis alt middle position that we're, that we're striving for. That's, the moral of the story is like, this is where we need to be to save our race, the human race from destruction. Let's be honest. We've gotten so polarized that this is an existential risk now. We can't make sense of anything because we actually continue to cherry pick data to confirm our biases. So we can't even make sense. Like simple facts are no longer true because it's just however we spin it through our matrix. All right, so why would we lean one way or another? Well, this has to do with Jonathan Haidt's moral matrix kind of theory, this moral foundations theory, that we have these six moral taste buds and how we apply them to the world is how we see the world. We're all trying to be good, most of us, almost all of us, with the exception of psychopaths and really you know, bad actors, but those are rare. I'm not so sure about that. It seems like psychopaths are pretty much running the show. No? What are these moral taste buds? Well, there's the care versus harm moral flavor, like the sense, this intuition. And by the way, these evolved over millions of years to keep us safe, these moral intuitions as tribal creatures. So care versus harm. I really worry about my family, other people's families. I don't want to see people get hurt. So this idea of compassion in the face of suffering. That's a moral intuition. So let's apply that to the pandemic. On the thesis side, well, I don't want people to die of COVID. So I wanna do everything I can to keep them safe, even if it means locking down and closing schools and masking two-year-olds and um, vaccinating everyone by force because it'll keep them safe. And that's a good thing. We wanna eliminate suffering. On the antithesis side, care versus harm manifests as, hey, you're harming businesses that have been built over decades and they're going out of business. You're harming our liberties, which we'll talk about. It's a different moral taste bud, actually. And I don't trust the science that you're saying justifies this, all right? So what's the next moral taste bud? Well, the next one is fairness versus cheating. So in tribal humans, it evolved very quickly that if you cheated and didn't pull your weight in the community, that needed to be figured out really quickly. So we have this moral intuition against cheating, against doing no work and getting the benefit that the rest of the tribe gets. Well, on the thesis side, this makes sense in the sense that they look at the at the COVIDiots and go, hey, you don't wear a mask? You're putting me at risk? You're not pulling your weight? 
you won't get vaccinated to lower the general rate of transmission in the community? What's wrong with you? Like fairness versus cheating. Now on the, on the uh, antithesis side, fairness versus cheating is a kind of, it's looked at as hey, the elite get to sit around on Zoom and tell everybody to lock down. What is this preferentially hurting? Poor people. That's not very fair. When you close a school, who are you hurting? Poor people, minorities. That's not very fair. You see? So both sides feel very much in the right from the same moral taste bud with different interpretations of it. But let's be honest. The COVIDiots, as people would call them, are probably more in the right. You know? Like when you really step back, put your little thinking cap on, you know? Follow the money. And different sort of valuation of the other taste buds, which we're going to talk about. So what's the third one? Well, the third one is um, autonomy. Or, sorry, it's um, authority versus subversion. Authority versus subversion. So we evolved to actually value authority, value expertise, because the tribe had to divide certain expertise. They were good hunters. They were good leaders. You value that authority, the tribe survives, right? But there's also a subversive aspect of our personality where we do try to overthrow authority that becomes abusive. And that's what we're seeing right now in New Zealand, in Australia, in France, the UK. People are starting to rise up. They don't like this authoritarian takeover thing. So the authority versus subversion, you know, we really value authority. Well, on the thesis side, Fauci, the CDC, the government, pharmaceutical industry, these are our authorities. They are our experts. They are our scientists. We should listen to them. The antithesis side. Hey, these authorities have derelict have, have been derelict in their duties. They they're actually biased. They're actually corrupt. They are. So, you know, whether it's Fauci funded gain of function research or whatever it is, the antithesis side says he did. That's not an authority they trust, right? So they don't want to be listening to that authority. They want that authority changed. So authority versus subversion. Now, the other more another moral taste bud is loyalty versus betrayal. Now, this one's interesting because this is in-group versus out-group. This is like being true to your, your tribe or betraying them by believing or saying something that violates. How much have we seen this manifest? If you say, if you deviate from what thesis or antithesis says and you're in that tribe, you are screwed. Hi, guys. That's me. <laughs> Everybody hates me. Because I can't fit in the pure science thesis tribe because I've said things like, hey, I think closing schools is a dumb idea and masking babies is probably dumb. It is. Or whatever it is, you know, based on whatever I'm saying that week, you know, young kids vaccinating, boost, giving boosters to everybody has no data behind it. I don't think we should do that. Okay, now I've pissed off the thesis side. Oh, but you know what? These conspiracy theories are really loony and anything on Rumble probably should just be deleted. And- um, you know what? Vaccines actually work, especially if you're vulnerable. So we should ought to be doing that. And certain mitigation measures are probably a decent idea. Well, now I've pissed off the antithesis side. Anytime I basically open my mouth, I piss off both these sides. So that's a loyalty versus betrayal P. 
piece. If you're loyal to one or the other tribe or you identify with that tribe and I say the wrong thing, you're not gonna like me. In fact, you're gonna, you're gonna brand me as evil. That's what we see on social media, on Twitter. It's good versus bad, good versus evil. And the thing a lot of people don't understand is, you know, when we're consuming all of this technology, we're being manipulated through programming. This is a thing that is actually on the record. It's a science. It is a psychological uh, experiment that's been played on humanity. It's nothing new, but it is very obvious why there is a mainstream narrative because all of the tools that are being used are owned by those who are abusing them. Bizarre, huh? So that's loyalty versus betrayal. Um, Now, a really interesting one is sanctity versus degradation. So the sacred versus defilement. So if you're a religious Christian, somebody like, you know, burning a cross or something is probably a defilement. If you're a patriotic American, burning the flag is a defilement. If you're a health nut, somebody injecting you with a vaccine against your will is a defilement. You see, this is this evolved, this this kind of disgust and sacredness evolved to keep us safe from toxins and poisonous foods and things like that. So we had this kind of thing happen and now it's part of our matrix. It's part of who we are. We're moral, intuitive creatures. So how do we think about that in terms of the thesis antithesis? Well, the thesis side sees sanctity versus degradation as, hey, my body needs to be safe from COVID. COVID is gross. I don't want it. And I'm gonna do anything I can to avoid it. And it's disgusting you walking around without a mask and not getting vaccinated and coughing everywhere. Okay, antithesis side. My body is sacred. You want me to inject this mRNA that is new and so on and so forth. And that's a violation of my bodily, the, the body is temple. And that's not okay right? And I also hold other things sacred that you're violating with this thing, like the right not to wear a mask, et cetera. So that moral taste bud, play, taste bud plays out in different ways uh, on each side of this. So it's essentially somebody who gives themselves over to Western medicine. So anytime they have a headache, they go take some pills. I mean, obviously I'm painting a wide brush here, but I know a lot of people If they have any sort of ache, they take medicine. If they can't sleep, they take NyQuil. They take DayQuil. They're just taking these medicines. And then the opposite would be someone who just tries to do things naturally, who doesn't want anything foreign inside their body. And obviously people will make that argument that, well, we're constantly consuming toxins and it's complicated. So this next thing he discusses is kind of the biggest one to me that I think we need to be paying attention to. The last one is liberty versus oppression. And this is a good one. This is a real powerful one during COVID. So liberty versus oppression means, A, autonomy versus somebody telling me I can't do something, inhibiting freedom. I really have this one strong. This is one that I, I care versus harm and liberty versus oppression are my big my own ones that I that if it's a gra- if if morality is a graphic equalizer of different levels of these moral taste buds, my liberty versus oppression is through the roof. My care versus harm is very high as well. I also have a very high fairness versus cheating. I don't like people who cheat. So, and the other stuff, you know, 
it's there, but I don't care that much. Loyalty versus I don't care and sanctity versus degradation. There's certain things that I, I do hold quite sacred and loyalty versus betrayal. You know, I think you should just be true to yourself. And if that means betraying people around you um, because they're not true to you, then, you know, so be it. So that's that's my own matrix. So liberty versus oppression during the pandemic, this is clear, right? The antithesis side owns this uh, very heavily, which is, hey, you can't, you cannot impinge on my rights unless there's due cause. And this is this pandemic is not a due cause. It affects the old and the sick, and that is not me. Why are you telling me what to do? And you're messing with the economy. You're telling me I have to put a, a mask on my face and a mask on my kid. You're telling me I have to vaccinate myself, and soon I have to vaccinate my kid. This is abhorrent to the liberty versus oppression uh, piece. And actually, that probably is why when I do lean towards antithesis side, it's that liberty versus oppression piece. It's like, you better show me a really good care versus harm reason that I should do this, that's science backed before I'm gonna violate my liberty versus oppression thing, right? Now on the thesis side, liberty versus oppression says, hey, if we want to open up and we want to be free, we need to take these, like your freedom ends where it impacts me directly, right? Uh, so you can kind of, skin that different ways. You're listening to Exit the Cult, only on Elf Tree Publishing. Now, enjoy the rest of the show, useless eaters. I'm Bill Gates. Now we have the moral palette. So we can look at other people who disagree with us and go, oh, they have a different moral palette. They're seeing the world through that lens, but they're still trying to be good. And can I put myself in their position? Can I understand their moral matrix and why they're doing what they do? And if I can, then I can probably have a dialogue with them, right? So this is the requisite for coming to a synthesis position, an alt-middle, everything is true but partial, let's pull the truth out and try to come up with something that vibrates with a degree of reality and truth, right? And in order to do that, first of all, we have to recognize the problem. And the problem is this, this division into COVIDiots and COVIDians, the fact that social media polarizes and weaponizes that. There are probably state actors who really love to see this division. And that we need to understand this is an existential threat to sense-making and to rationality. And I will tell you, if you don't feel this today, like if you are not feeling this energy in the world right now of division, I don't think you're awake honestly. Like there are some people who are more sensitive to this. I, I consider myself one of them. Like I feel it and I, it causes me pain because it, it's clear after a lot of, you know, work. And, you know, I, like I said, I have my own biases, but it's clear that this is going to, this is not a productive way to have a civilization continue to be divided so much into tribes these little mimetic tribes that we can't even agree on what is good anymore. And facts are no longer like, authority is completely meaningless unless it's your authority, right? And these tribes that have split, whether they're, you know, whatever you can call it, there's a billion different sub-tribes and Peter Lindbergh and the Stoa have another great piece on Culture Wars 2.0 on the different mimetic meme coming from idea tribes that have coalesced 
since you know the end of the Cold War and social media really accentuates them that you can form these little groups. And the conspiracy stuff is what happens when you, you want to back up what you believe based on your morality with data. You wanna get the validation. So you'll find it somewhere because now that we have an internet, you can find data to support any, any angle you wanna take. Oh, ivermectin, you wanna support that? Look at Uttar Pradesh. Then the thesis side goes, yeah, ivermectin, it's garbage. Look at Uttar Pradesh. And, and the antithesis side is gonna say, oh, you gave ivermectin and the cases went away in, in Uttar Pradesh. Thesis side will say, yeah, the cases were going away because natural immunity happened and people and Delta ripped through the population and that's the normal dynamics of Delta. By the way, natural immunity is something I didn't mention. Thesis side, natural immunity, meh. You need to be vaccinated. Natural immunity is not strong enough. Antithesis side, natural immunity is real, bro. And it's maybe stronger. It's de No, that's what the antithesis side is. It's definitely stronger than vaccine immunity. So why are you making me vaccinate when I've been naturally exposed? So how do we come to a thesis? How do we come to, not a thesis, an, a synthesis of all this? This is the prime challenge of our era. This is now the prime challenge. First of all, you cannot villainize or demonize each side. You have to understand there's gonna be extremes that are crazy on both sides, but that the vast majority of people are trying to be good based on their moral matrix. So we have to, first of all, open dialogue between the sides that doesn't involve shaming and name calling and ad hominems and logical fallacies. We need to introspect and see our own moral matrix and bias so that we can go, okay, so when am I just feeding my own confirmation bias? I know when I see an article come through and it just immediately make, gives me a little shot of dopamine. I'm like, oh, there's my confirmation bias. Let me look at this article carefully and try to poke holes in it because it's saying what I believe, which means I better be really skeptical because the easiest people to fool are ourselves, right? Then we need to have dialogue across these lines, respectfully, right? This is very, very important. And that's what I call alt-middle. It has a lot of different names. Some people just call it rational discourse, civil society. Some people call it integral thinking. If you're a Ken Wilber fan, there's a million ways to, to call it but we need to do it. We need to live it. We need to respect it. We need to elevate it. We need to teach our kids it. We need to teach it in school. We need to teach critical thinking, looking at our own biases, understanding moral foundations theory. And we need more people like Peter writing pieces that try, I mean, he, he was quite heartfelt in this piece. He says, people who are very sensitive now are feeling this schism in the collective consciousness. And if we're gonna wake up as a society and solve the biggest problems of our time, there are a lot of them. I don't need to list them. We, we, if we can't even make sense and talk to each other, we're doomed. That's the end of the species, right? I'm, I'm not being hyperbolic, you guys. I'm, I'm really not, I wish I was. So my own mission, and I fail a lot. I know I'm gonna see, I see the comments already. Z-Dog, you're, you're the first to throw ad hominems at this group and that group, and you've said this and that. Yes, I'm not perfect. I'm trying. 
I'm just putting my mission out there and you guys can hold me accountable to it, all right? Which is to bring an alt-middle synthesis position on COVID and on as many things as we can to keep criticizing things that are not working because naming the problem is like 90% of the way to solving it, really understanding the problem, all right? Now, what can you do? Share this video, read the article that I sent. You may have things that you quibble with in it. That's fine. But start this dialogue. Approach people that you disagree with respectfully using this as an intuition. Stop living online and actually have real conversations. Real in-person conversations are on the phone. That is vastly different than dehumanizing somebody across a social media chasm where there's zeros and ones. They're a non-playable character, basically, an NPC. Don't, don't do that. These are human beings. And once you feel that, the moral matrix of care versus harm and all these things come online. We wake up, we become alive, we become connected. Our right brain comes online and says, you know what? Holistically, we're all one thing. So helping you helps me in the grandest sense. Understanding you means I've been understood. That's just how it is. Meanwhile, Bill Gates and George Soros are sitting there having cocktails and Bill's looking over at George and he's going, those useless eaters are doing exactly what we've asked them to. Klaus Schwab of the World Economic Forum over in the wing. The Great Reset is moving forward perfectly. <clears throat> you know, laughing at us, Covidians versus Covidiots. Oh, if everyone could just realize this world is run by a bunch of fucking murderous bankers, we could all move forward. Or, or, perhaps we are being controlled by the reptilians, the Anunnaki. I mean, what do you think is going on? Exit the cult at protonmail.com. Love to hear from you. Know what I'm saying? I want to thank you guys for listening this week. It was quite the episode I thought I'd steer clear from really heavy topics this week because we've just been kind of going in a little deep. I don't know. I'm not getting too much feedback, so you let me know. I'm testing the fences, baby. Like a T-Rex. You know, making sure I don't get zapped. Thrown 50 feet back. It'd be kind of embarrassing for a T-Rex, wouldn't it? So I have to test the fences with my long nail and make sure it bounces back and doesn't shock me then I can go in for the kill. I can find those little Ford Explorers and I can knock some of them over. I can eat a lawyer and I can chase a flare. For those who haven't seen Jurassic Park, spoilers. Special thanks to Dr. Z Dog. Also wanted to thank you guys for listening. Elf Tree Publishing. If you have any questions or comments about the show, please reach out to us at exitthecult at protonmail.com or visit exitthecult.com. As always, be sure to check out the description for show notes and links to articles and videos featured in the episode. And uh, you know how it goes. Have a killer weekend and don't be a killer! You can help support the show by becoming an Exit the Cult member over at our Patreon page for exclusive content and bonus episodes. Visit ExitTheCult.com for details. 
tune in to new episodes on Spotify, Apple, or wherever you like to listen to your podcasts. Thanks for listening.